Grab sleeping bags, your roasting sticks, some bug spray because it's summer camp time. The Major League Baseball is coming back this week and they're deeming it summer camp. It even has a sponsor. This is Smoke Signals. We do not have a sponsor, um, but we don't need one because we like doing this no matter what. <laughs> and we like talking baseball. I'm joined by Willie Hood. Willie, welcome back. And are you ready to talk about some actual baseball stuff instead of just news and notes around the game? I am absolutely ready to talk about baseball. I, I have a tent and everything packed up right now, and I'm ready for camp. Let's go. All right. Grab your grab your cooler, and let's, let's get to it. Um, there's a lot to unpack, and we'll start with, let's see, the – roster rules and stipulations. So just going to run some through these real quick because there was a lot of details that came out of the last couple of days um, just to kind of, that'll paint the picture of how teams are going to handle their roster, paint the picture of how rosters have already been submitted. So if a player is not in the 40 man roster, he cannot be removed from the 60 man roster unless he's released. So he's there's there unless he's released. If a player is on the 40-man roster, he can be removed from the 60-man roster, but then he would expose the, to waivers. So that means any prospects that are on there will not be taken off the roster and replaced with a new one. Um, players that are not on the 60-man roster cannot be traded. So um, if a team gets the 60, uh, 60 people, they can't replace them. So... Anybody who isn't on there at that point cannot be traded. Uh, if a player tests positive for COVID-19, he can be replaced on the special COVID-19 injured list, will no longer count against the 60, and he can be replaced. That's the only case where it can happen. When he comes back, he has to test negative twice in a 24-hour period without using um, fever-suppressing medicine. Uh, if there's an outbreak defined by three-plus players testing positive for the virus, those people can be replaced by players who would not be subject to rules one and two, which is um, not being on the 40 or the 60. Uh, teams can add to the roster full season, either from within or via free agency or trade. Um, but any free agent signings will be immediately added to the 60-man roster. So the Indians, for example, have a 55-man roster so right now, so they can add five players as they go. It doesn't have it doesn't have to be either. when the season starts. It can be whenever. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Other rules, the universal DH is going to be impl implemented. That makes the most sense. Keep pitchers healthy. 60-game uh, schedule, as we talked about. They will have the three-batter minimum enforced. And options, as far as we know, are still in effect. So um, it looks like if a player is called up to make his major league debut, like a – uh, Tristan McKenzie, you know, he would still be subject to options if he was sent back down. Uh, runner on second and 10th inning. I know a lot of people don't like this. Season, I'm okay with it. I don't really see them doing this in the regular season in normal years because in the minors, you're not trying to wear out your entire roster for the sake of a win because in the minors, development's first. 
Um, rosters will go from 30 for the first couple days, I think the first week or so. And then it trims to 20 gradually. So that's all the um, clarifications on roster rules and how this is going to work. Do you have any – did I miss anything, Willie? Any thoughts on that so far? No, I, I think it's fairly straightforward. Uh, going to be interested to see what they do with the Universal DH next year. I believe it's out next year as of right now, but it looks like that will probably be part of the future. Uh, also brings up some questions about National League teams potentially looking for another bat at the trade deadline. So some future um, conversations that we we could have on, on these podcasts, but right now really not a whole lot on, on that. I think it's pretty straightforward. Um, excited to hear that uh, baseball is back, Justin. Really, that's a big thing for me right now. Yeah, I'd agree. And they're gonna, so they're going to test guys every other day. They're going to be temperature checks and, and symptom checks twice daily. Um, so that seems like good, a, a decent protocol for now. I know they, you know, ban spitting things. They're trying to ban to keep guys safe. Um, anybody who's not playing will be sitting in the stands. So if you're an active, you're not in the dugout, keep things away as much as possible. I think really, like we talked about last podcast, it's going to come down to players kind of policing each other, making sure they're not putting themselves in harm's way to have an outbreak within the team and not make it, um, you know, hopefully they're given the tools to do that and they trust each other. I mean, if they want, if they want to play and, and not miss out on a season, then they're going to have to be accountable to, because I mean, I think we should look at it like this too, is, you know, we've both taken the side that owners and, and at least Rob Manfred, were trying to get as little baseball as possible and try to make the owners the most money and, and, not to the benefit of the players, but um, the players do want to play because they do want to make money and they do want to not lose out in a season that could hurt them in the long term. So if they do want to play, they do have to police themselves and make sure they're not, they're not bringing any unnecessary factors into the ballpark. So that's going to be important as well to trust players. Um, The other bit of news is, so the overflow players will play and uh, will be on the taxi squad. So anybody who does not make the initial 30 man roster after summer camp ends, uh, which I think, I don't know, they, they didn't say what day teams are starting. So the season starts July 23rd or July 24th. Um, so anybody who, who doesn't make the 30 man roster will go to classic park in East Lake, which is where the Lake County captains play. Uh, and they will play there. I posed the question quick on Twitter. Where are these players going to stay? Because, the Indians roster does consist of a lot of prospects. Now, granted, some of them did have higher signing bonuses, but um, some did not. Like Ernie Clement was not a high signing bonus guy. Kyle Nelson, not a high signing bonus guy, not on the 40-man roster. Um, you know, Bo Taylor is an older player, not on the 40-man roster, but um, has been around enough, I guess. But, you know, there are younger guys in the roster who – you know, Gene Carlos Mejia, not a big bonus guy, and has not is, is on the 40, so his mind is a little better. But um, kind of the question, where do these guys stay? Because under normal circumstances, they have apartments where they stay together to keep you know rent affordable, and then teams generally work with surrounding faci- uh, apartment complexes to set them up with, or there's a host family. Obviously, there won't be any host families this year. Um, and I would imagine they're going to discourage roommates so they can keep as much distance. And if somebody gets sick, 
you know, um, there's less chance of spreading the infection if they don't have roommates because you don't have to worry about shared spaces. Um, so I'm just kind of wondering what they're doing with players, where they're going to live if they're on the taxi squad um, and how they're paying them. Because if you don't have roommates and you're not getting normal pay, um, you know, how do you afford an apartment or a hotel? Cause I know the hotels in Lake County and I know what players generally make at this level. And I don't know how much they're going to be paying them to be on the taxi squad, but probably not enough to stay at a hotel for 60 something days, you know? I thought I saw uh, somewhere that it was going to be $400 a week, guys, on the taxi squad. I, I don't know to what the guys will receive um, that are already on the 40-man. I don't think that would be. I think the guys on the 40-man are a little bit different. Um, but I would hope that they would include uh, some sort of honorarium or an allowance to provide housing for them. Uh, but I tend to hope that people use common sense approach and take care of the players. And I don't know if Major League Baseball does that at times. I'm sure all <laughs> of this is outlined in lengthy, I think it was 70-something pages of health protocols that were required for all the teams. Um, so hopefully they've got something in there and, and these teams are providing some sort of housing allowance for these guys to to offset what you said is the concern that some of them would be housed together. Uh, I could definitely see the need to keep separate spaces. Um, and if they do end up in situations where they have roommates to be ultra, ultra careful, you know, wear a mask, keep your distance, clean up after yourselves, wipe things down often, those type of things. Um, it, it's very possible to do that. Uh, I have a very large family and we do all of those things on a regular basis around here to prevent illness on anyways, whether it's pandemic or if it's the flu, you know, uh, I think there are things that folks can do uh, to prevent infection and, and the spread. So hopefully they are in a position where they don't even have to worry about that. And they have at least a single room to themselves um, where they can appropriately social distance from others. Uh, you know, I, I saw some video of the Chicago Cubs returning the other day in the parking lot and every one of them was keeping distance from each other. Every one of them had on a mask. So just do the things that common sense approach right now. And, you know, yes, the world is a little bit different than it normally is. It'll probably never be the same, <laughs> but, but use common right. sense and let's get back to baseball. It's kind of where I'm at with all of it. Yeah. And just for, you know, reference for anybody who might be listening and not, and may not be aware of some of our audience probably pretty well tuned into the minor leagues. If they, our regular listeners of this podcast. Um, there are a lot of cases where there are sometimes three or four people, minor league players living in a two bedroom apartment. Uh, Cause that helps keep rent down for what they're getting paid at that level. Um, overcrowding an apartment in this situation would be a very bad idea. So if they were to have a shared space, it would probably have to be, you know, two people to an apartment at most or however they're going to have that set up or a hotel or something. Um, overcrowding, probably definitely not a good option. We'll see how that goes. So let's look at the 55 man roster. You know, the teams are allowed to get to 60. So the Indians have, I'd say that um, they want to kind of evaluate where they might want to add, what they might need, who might benefit from being added to the roster. Because, you know, once it's set, you can't really change it unless you, outright release somebody or expose the waivers or um, 
a trade is made. So once you get to that spot, you're kind of, you have less flexibility to change your roster than you normally would in a normal season. Not to mention the idea of trading someone to another city with a pandemic going on is probably frowned, not, not frowned upon, but it's going to be looked at a little bit differently um, in terms of prospects flipping cities. Uh, there nobody on the roster has opted out. There were a couple of players in Major League Baseball who did opt out. I know Mike Leak, the Diamondbacks, Joe Ross, and Ryan Zimmer, the Nationals opted out. Um, there are a couple of coaches in the Twins who are not coaching either. Uh, but so far, everybody in the Indians is participating. I don't think we need to go into the whole roster. I think uh, people kind of idea of who's on it. Um, it's everybody. Everybody in the forty-man roster is obviously there. Um, you know, all the way from door down to like someone like Greg Allen. There, those guys are all there. Um, I guess the notable names to put on there, people may not be not familiar with, but that would not normally be in this situation. Um, Let's see. Well, Anthony Goes was in camp with them. Dominic Leone was in camp. Cam Hill was in camp with them. So the other guys that would be Daniel Spino, Ethan Hankins, um, I guess Kyle Nelson and Nick Sandlin are kind of in the middle of those two situations. Bo Naylor, certainly Aaron Brock. Brock I still don't know how to say his name yet. Aaron Bracho, Aaron Bracho, um, Ernie Clement, Tyler Freeman, George Valera, those guys. Uh, Ernie Clement would have been, but um, still there. So yeah, Jones was there in camp with them later. Valero was not, but he's there now. So those are kind of the unique ads, I guess, to the Indians roster, so to say. Um, you know, obviously the young are there for work and development and won't contribute to the roster on the Indian side. But we do remember that, like we said, nobody if you're on the roster, you can't be traded. So if there's a prospect not added to the roster by the time they get to 60, um, unless they contract the virus and are, can be removed from the roster, um, they can't be traded. I would hope that no team would manipulate the COVID-19 IL in this situation to get a prospect off the roster or the one on there to trade it. But I guess you never know. I mean, the Dodgers were super good at using that 10-day IL um, to rotate pitchers in and out will do what do you what do you think about that oh i'll just say i had to laugh when you said that because you know somebody's going to manipulate um where there is humanity they will find a way to um work around whatever rules are in place uh so (laughs) i do think somebody will and it would not surprise me if it was the los angeles dodgers because they, uh, they do have creative ways of utilizing the DL, uh, or the <laughs> rather the injured list. Um, so if they did that with the COVID um, list, I, I would not be a bit surprised, but I'm not going to accuse them of doing it. I sh- certainly can't at this point, but uh, we shall see. I'll definitely be watching their transactions to see what they do. Oh, wow, he's only been on for four days. Wow, I never knew anyone could clear that fast, but hey, we shall see. Um, I, I will point out also that there there is some room to be creative with the Indians roster. They have 55 men on there right now. Uh, let's say that they had a couple of the draft picks. You and I last podcast, um, Tanner Burns and uh, Logan Allen. So it, that won't be confusing at all whenever he calls for Logan Allen and, and the wrong one comes up. Um, let's hope they get the right results. 
I, uh, I will add that, you know, in the possibility of a trade, let's say they're standing at 57 players on the roster and they are working out a trade for, I don't know, a reliever or something. Uh, they can add a couple of prospects to the roster and then make that trade um, by, by adding those guys and then trading them. Or they could always take the route of a, a player to be named later. I'm sure cash deals will be um, popular for some teams. I do expect some, some trades at the trade deadline. I know there are some folks saying that this is probably going to be a quiet trade deadline. I don't think so. It may be quiet, more quiet than normal, but I do think there will be some deals to go on. Uh, we will probably see a lot more in the offseason. Um, I uh, roster very interesting in that there's a couple of guys in here uh, in the top 40 who, you know, that were spring, um, they were spring, oh, invites that made a good impression, like Anthony Ghost. Um, I, I didn't know that Dominic Leone did. He must do uh, he must be there on track record because when I saw him pitching this spring, it wasn't very impressive. But again, you know, he's a guy I think that was recovering from injury and they're probably basing him being there on track record. Uh, Cam Hill was impressive when I saw him. Uh, eight strikeouts or six strikeouts in his five in. Um, of course, you're going to bring in the the third Taylor and the third Taylor, the third catcher in Bo Taylor. Um <laughs> And, and Mike Freeman seems to be guaranteed a roster spot for whatever reason. I, I guess he's the Michael Martinez this year. Um, Tito seems to have a designated Michael Martinez on the roster, and, and I think that's Mike Freeman this year. Um, I, I'm kidding a little bit there, but he does seem to uh, have a little edge on the roster for whatever reason. Um, I guess well, because of fair, positional flexibility. To be fair, limited time, he did have 1.2. Uh, was worth 1.2 wins on replacement last year. That was far and away better than anything Michael Martinez ever did. So even if it was a bit of a, a bit of maybe I should change it to the to the guaranteed Mike Freeman roster spot then. Um, yeah, he, he did that provide was, a, that was a good year for him. Tito really picked his spots for him uh, very well last year, and, and Tito seems to do that at times. He gets burned other times, but that's part of the game too. Um, Overall, I, I think it's an interesting package. I did catch that there are 17 of the top 30 prospects, according to MLB.com. 17 of the top 30 prospects are on the 60, or I guess I should say 55-man roster. So that's yeah, a lot of youth, uh, a lot of youth and a lot of development there that you know the Indians are looking at this year. Uh, I think that's part of the focus here is to see some of these young guys the time that they need to develop. That's why you know, Hankins, um, McKenzie, of course, uh, coming off of the injury riddled year last year and even the year before. A guy like Bo Naylor, you want to get him reps and, and the other guys. Um, very excited. Uh, hopefully we can at least see some video of those guys. And hopefully somebody will set something up or, or figure out a way for the players at Lake County to get some um, get some footage out there on them. Yeah, as far as that goes, to, to my knowledge, um, pretty much nobody's going to have access to anything going on in Lake County. It's going to be essential operations only. So it's going to be Lake County captains, team employees, 
um, coaches and players and then front office. I don't think any outside media or anything will be studying park in 2020 at this point. Um, just due to the fact that there's no, no reason to bring in extra people that, you know, could be. Yeah. No, but they're asymptomatic people. Like if I was to go in there and be asymptomatic, I mean, I know, I know they're doing temperature checks and symptom checks on the guy and the players, but as well as the people who are going to be at the park who aren't players, you know, whether it's staff or coaches, they're going to be checked too. Um, but, you know, as we know, just because you don't exhibit, exhibit symptoms doesn't mean you're not carrying the virus. So anything could happen. So I, I don't, I don't foresee any kind of, unless they're sending video out internally or any kind of, clips out internally from there i don't see us i don't see a way for us to get in there and do any of that kind of stuff personally um so it'll be it'll be probably relying on internal only unfortunately uh classic park is not set up for milb tv so um won't be any of that either other parks do have that so that's kind of unfortunate i don't know if they're going to be able to do it at this point i know it does cost a bit of money to do it so the fact that they're not going to be having fans there um, and that's another thing too. If anybody's wondering, absolutely, there will not be any fan access to watch these practice games or inner squad games. There will be no fans if there's no if there's barely allowed, you know, personnel there from the um, team. You're certainly not going to have fans, so I wouldn't have any expectations of that either. So, unfortunately, they don't have my LB TV set up there, so it's going to be kind of limited in that respect. Um, I, I do think the roster is interesting in terms of, of who they did put on it prospect wise. I'm kind of surprised they didn't add any more catchers. I kind of thought um, Joe Donovan would be on, on the, not on the, no. Yeah. I guess somebody who thought I thought might've been on the, the 60 man roster, even though they wouldn't call them up because they need the extra catchers. I guess they can use coaches as catchers down there or a, a bullpen catcher um, because Bo Naylor is not going to make his major league debut in 2020 with the Indians. So he's the only catcher hanging out down there. So I guess they're going to use coaches or Bo Taylor as a reserve because they don't have any catcher at the upper levels, which is scary. So if somebody goes down, you know, they didn't add Cameron Rupp, who was on a non-roster invitation to the into camp and back in the spring. Um, so I think catching's a bit of a concern, but Perez was pretty durable last year, despite the fact that he played through an injury. Um, I definitely see want to miss out in a year development. So getting them in some sort of structured environment is helpful. Same with uh, Tristan McKenzie, even if he's on the on the thirty man roster, and Aaron Burrow and George Valera specifically, because those two have missed time with injuries in the past at the start of their career. So they definitely want to get them some structured development, which makes a ton of sense. Um. And then obviously the same goes for Freeman because of his value and having him ready and Nolan Jones's proximity to the big leagues. Um, other than that, I'm not, I'm not surprised it was pitching heavy. I think everyone pitching heavy. I'll just be curious to see how the Indians fought the 30 man roster. I, I have already advocated for this that because of the potential ability of the bullpen, you know, with, you know, Brad Hand not having a great second half last year. Uh, James Karinchak, you don't know how he's going, how many strikes he's going to throw. Nick Whitgren was arguably their best reliever last year outside of Hand the first half. 
Um, he outperformed his peripherals last year. Everybody else was kind of a question mark. You know, Oliver Perez is a mark because of the three batter minimum. So Adam Simber struggled at times. I, I've been advocating for using a piggybacking system. If you're not going to be able to get six, seven innings out of your guys at the outset, I would like to see them go, you know, four or five with Shane Beaver and then go four or five with Plesak or Plutko or, or Jeffrey Rodriguez or Logan Allen, you know, fill out your five-man rotation as you would normally and just have your second set ready to go, whether that's Scott Moss or it's Plutko or Plesak or Logan Allen or, or Tristan McKenzie, um, you know, have, have some of those guys available to fill the gap just because if you don't trust your bullpen and, and if starting pitching is your strength, in a short season, find a way to leverage that. Cause I, I personally think that the shorter season um, takes away from their pitching being the advantage because teams with good starting pitching depth, like the Indians, that tends to um, make its, you know, it, it, it tends to make be a factor over 162 games where as a team without that depth, you know, gets exposed for that over a long season. But in a 60 game season, you can get away with it. A little more, so I think that lessens the advantage a little bit if they don't use this route. And I think I think piggybacking some of their starters um, could help them regain some of that leverage. What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree with you. I think there's a couple of interesting guys that could come in out of the pen, um, kind of serve in that piggyback role. I like uh, Butko as as someone that could potentially do that and carry multiple innings. Uh, Jeffrey Rodriguez has experience doing that. Uh, I know Logan Allen has been pitched out of the bullpen even. And I think um, Hunter Wood has been an opener for the Tampa Bay Rays at a, at a point in time. But he's a guy that can go one, two innings. Um, you know, um, even Plesak, as you mentioned. But there's also prospects there that they could use uh, to potentially do that with, like a guy like Scott Moss, someone that could come in and potentially give them a couple of extra innings. So you could – you could kind of go, go the uh, bulk route, so to speak, with a few of these guys. Have your uh, Aaron Savali start the game, go four or five, and then bring in Scott Moss for, for two or three innings, and then then go to your Brad Hand and, and James Brintak, uh to close out the game. I, I do like the, the starting pitching, and I, I think that would be the best way to optimize what they have, especially early on in the season, because these guys aren't built up yet. Uh, I know that a lot of them have continued to throw and – and to pitch. But at the same time, I do have some concerns with guys like Adam Simber, who seemed to struggle at times last year. And then, as you mentioned, um, Brad Hand, second half, uh, being a, a downturn, it seemed like he came back strong in one appearance very late in the season, but that, that was all it was, was just that one appearance. So, you know, there's a big question mark. Um, I think the best way to utilize the pitching depth, depth that they have, though, is what you said, and get these guys out there that can go a couple of innings. And, and kind of eat innings that way. Yeah, and I, I was I was talking to Jeff Ellis through on Twitter today too because he was saying how how volatile or he thinks the bullpen's a mess, and maybe mess is the right term because I think there's a lot of potential for this bullpen to be very volatile. You know, you don't have a manual class A. Um, we don't know if Karen Jack's going to throw strikes consistently. And then you have a bunch of names that are interesting. You know, you mentioned Simber. And he's going to struggle, I think, a little with three batter minimum rule. Same with Oliver Perez. 
And then you got, like I said, Wickren kind of outperformed his peripherals last year. You know, do we think that was a mirage or does he have some sort of underlying skill that um, helped him do that, that he can sustain? And then you've got a bunch of guys you're not sure about. You know, Phil Maton has a, lot, has a ton of spin and interesting stuff. Um, Hunter Wood has some interesting stuff. You know, he's got a high spin fastball. He's comfortable throwing up in the zone. Um, I think Dominic Leone was somebody they were interested in camp. I know they like James Hoyt, but those guys are all question marks. So I think I, I think there's a lot of potential too. I personally like, you know, Nick Sandlin missed a lot of time last year because he had surgery. So who's who? I don't think he'll be considered initially. He'll just be there if he's ready to go. Um, I'd love to see Kyle Nelson get a shot just because he's a left-hander who I think can face lefties and righties because of the spin and his fastball and slider and his command. Same with Anthony Goh, his bat missing stuff. You know, we, we saw him through what 99 in, in spring training with a wicked hook. Cam Hill is kind of like Cody Allen, you know, or James Karinchak, you know, has the same high fastball, um, deep breaker, you know, nasty stuff with some command issues. Um, there's to me, there's just a lot of questions in that bullpen. I, like I said, that's why I was advocating for using some of your starting depth because those guys are a little more reliable. We know Logan Allen can turn a lineup over. We know Jeffrey Rodriguez has had major league success as a starter. Please that cast Savali has Plutko has, you can get, you know, six, seven innings from those guys and, and maybe rely on the guys you're more comfortable with. You don't have to, expose yourself to the volatility of the bullpen uh, in a short season where every game matters. So I'll be interested to see how they, they handle that. Um, I really think they're kind of in the same boat as a lot of teams though. Um, there is just so much in the air right now and you don't know what kind of shape these guys are going to come back in. Who knows if some of these guys have just let themselves go or, or, and, and we all know how volatile a bullpen can be to begin with. Um, you know, I think, the Indians are probably in the same boat as a lot of teams, to be honest with you. At least they have volume and quality volume at that. Uh, when you have a guy like Tristan McKenzie, going to be one of the additional 15, but he's still a top 10 prospect, you know, and a guy that's been knocking on the door for a while. Um, he's a, a very talented arm. Um, he wouldn't surprise me to see him get an opportunity this year uh, under normal circumstances, you know, and now with this situation, who knows that there's probably potential. Some of these other guys, that um, are are down in Lake County practicing, so to speak, um, may end up getting a chance this year that we weren't expecting. I, I don't think they'll rush anybody like an Espino or Hankins or Tanner Burns or, or the Logan Allen from Florida International. Um, but uh, we will probably see a few prospects get a, get a turn especially on uh, as these players into shape. Um, who knows, maybe a Scott Moss or somebody um, breaks through out of the bullpen or um, Cam Hill, you know, maybe he shows that he's taken another step forward since Tommy, Tommy John surgery. I know Phil uh, Maton was once considered the future closer for the Padres and, you know, that never panned out for him, but he's a guy that's still young. Uh, it's still early in his career and he's still trying to capture some of the velocity that he once did, but with the spin that he has on his stuff, you know, it, maybe the Indians can uh, get him headed in the right direction and he ends up being a quality reliever for them. Uh, I know there's a lot of questions. They're throwing, they're throwing a lot of darts at the dartboard and hoping that they're going to get some to stick. Uh, but I do think that they will. 
especially with, as I said, the quality and the volume of arms that they have. I, I do think it will. It's just it's going to take time to shake out. And my biggest concern is every single game counts in the 60-game season. They can't afford to lose a game because uh, I'll use Adam Simber as an example uh, because Adam Simber grooves a fastball. Well, if you can call that a fastball. <laughs> uh, but if if he grooves a fastball down the middle of the plate, you know, and, and he's having trouble locating, you know, and he ends up losing a game, is that one game going to be what ultimately costs them a playoff spot? And it very well could. And that's my biggest concern with this bullpen is that, you know, you have one game will matter so much at the end of the season. Um, I'm hopeful that some of these guys will step forward and I expect some of them will. I just don't think the bullpen is going to look exactly what we think it like. It it might be an Anthony ghost who, who comes in throwing 99 and striking guys out, but also walking the bases loaded, you know? So (laughs) they they may end up having to go that route. And I won't be a bit surprised to see him at some point because his stuff is so nasty. Um, And he's still learning to pitch. But when you have a lefty that can do that, you know, I think it definitely puts the fear in the, in the batters. Um, But it's going to be very interesting to see how it all plays out. I I do think utilizing their starting pitching depth would be beneficial, especially early in the season uh, and then kind of whittle down if they need to and and see where everyone is at. But that, that to me, I think the big question mark for the whole roster is how the bullpen affects the team. I think we agree. There's a lot of, there's a lot of um, upside in that bullpen. I mean, when you have, you're talking about guys, like you said, Cam Hill and um, we know how, how good James could be. Anthony goes has a lot of potential. Nick Sandlin and, and Kyle Nelson both have a ton of potential. Um, Eli Morgan could also be someone really interesting out of the bullpen as well. Um, or as that bull, because he can turn a lineup over with that changeup. So there's just a lot of guys that do have potential, but because they're so inexperienced, they don't have the track record. Um, you just lend yourself to the volatility. I mean, the only guy in the, in the bullpen really that has any kind of track record of success um, is is Brad Hand. I, I can't really count Oliver Perez because of the three batter minimum. He's made his pretty much entire career after he's not been a starter on getting left-handers out. I know he had some success against righties last year, but um, that hasn't been, you know, something he's done over. Some- so the only guy that's had a couple of years in the majors where he's really been, obviously Brad Hay was an all-star last year, two years in a row now. Um, you know, Nick, Nick Wickman's had back-to-back good years with some peripherals that don't quite match the overall performance. But the only guy that you really – have a track recognized Brad hand. And, and we, like we talked about his, his, first, his second half last year was not good. So there's really nobody in that bullpen. I feel like you can hundred percent say, this is the guy that is the stopper that, you know, you can build backwards from obviously they're going to do that with hand, but there are obviously some question marks about him, but if all these guys do pitch close to their potential, there's a good chance the bullpen could be really good. And obviously there's a lot of depth with the starters that you could use as relievers. Like you said, McKenzie, I think this would be the perfect year to get McKenzie in the majors because there's already questions about him holding up long-term because of his build. And he's missed uh, a full year now in 2019. And he missed the end. He missed the first half of 2018. And then he got shut down for the playoffs in 2018. So he's missed a lot of development all the time, but he's healthy and ready to go now. Um, he's not that far away developmentally, even though he missed the time because he's a strike thrower. 
whose fastball plays up because of the angle and the uh, release point on it and his command, same with the curveball. And now, um, I knew this back in spring training, but now we're seeing more video of it. He added a slider. This changeup hasn't really come along and obviously didn't have time to develop it last year, but his changeup wasn't really looking anything more than a, a show me below average pitch to left-handers that wasn't going to get a whole lot of outs. It was just something to keep them off balance with. But now he's got the slider, and we think the, the numbers in the slider might be pretty good. So I think this is the perfect time to get him some exposure to the majors. Use him as a reliever. Um, you don't have to bring him back and, and build up his innings. You can you know, give him 20 innings as a reliever and against good competition and, and see what he's got and, and see if what he can do in this short season. I'd be really excited to see him and see what he can do this year um, in that role. Definitely. Um, you know, he's a guy that I said, I think could potentially be a, a number three starter or he can end up being an opener someday. Um, not trying to minimize his upside. It's just the, the concern with previous injuries and the slight frame, if you will. Um, the addition of the slider does change things a little bit and makes it more likely that he does stick as a starting pitcher and his, his control will keep him there. Um, but I, I do agree with you. I think it'd be a, a great year to break him in out of the bullpen. Uh, you know, I've always referred back to the St. Louis Cardinals who like to break in young starting pitchers out of their bullpen. You know, maybe that would be a good way to do it this year with McKenzie and maybe even Eli Morgan, um, a guy I think who's a four or a five starter, but would probably be better better suited out of the bullpen where, where I think his fastball could really play up in that changeup as an out pitch for him. Um, that would be a really interesting addition to the pen if they decided to go that route, you know, and I could see that if there were a couple of injuries and even ineffectiveness, um, let's just say the leash will be short this year. Uh, you know, James Princhak is going to have to be close and, and get out. He can't afford to, to walk a lot of guys. The Indians are going to need him to perform, uh, at least. In um, and I would love to see him show that he can be a closer. Like I think would have loved to have seen Emmanuel Classe, uh, but obviously with the suspension, he's going to be out all season. Um, good news on that regard, and if you if you can call it that, um, <laughs> with the suspension, he he will be suspended all of this season. If there is sixty games, it will count as his entire suspension served. So it will be done after the season, thankfully. Um, but I'm really intrigued to see how that they gather together the bullpen. I think that's the most in- intriguing. Um, part of the team, and as I said, the biggest question mark too. Mm-hmm. Also, no, like you said, for Class A, if if there's 60 games, they'll count as a suspension served. If they don't get through 60 games, there's a chance he could be suspended in 2021 still. So um, we'll see. Yeah, how there that was plays no out. clarity on that. So you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it will just end up being that he missed this entire season, and a lot of other people did too. Um, hopefully, yeah. that they go with it. Uh, Nobody wants to see the see the players miss time like that, um, being suspended. But um, maybe they do something that's best for a player for for a change. Yeah, and major league players are getting service time for this year, no matter what. Yeah. However, they're not getting service time for being in the sixty man roster and the uh, the taxi squad. You're not getting major league service time for that. So uh, even guys in the 40-man roster, I don't think are either. Um, it's only guys who end up on the actual 
roster. Um, the 30, 28, 26. Yeah. So if you end up there, you get days counted towards service time. And um, I think we had a question on that too. I don't I need to look at the, look through our questions there. Um, maybe we didn't. I, I was curious though, to see what happens with, um, oh yeah. Do you, when do you predict McKenzie will make his major league debut, if at all, in a shortened season? And when is the cutoff for shortened season for rookies to have an impact beginning with their service time? So it looks like everything I've seen is seven games in. So if players are held down off the 30-man roster for the first seven games, um, the team will have successfully manipulated their service time and get an extra year out of them and, and only have um, or have their normal three arbitration years. So I don't know when McKenzie will make his major league debut. I think he'll make it this season, to be honest. I think he'll end up being on the 30-man roster or the the 28 or something. I don't know about the 26, so it gets down to there. Um, well, maybe not, because you want to know what? If he was on the 30-man roster, then he would start getting service time right away. But, of course, they could option him down later, so maybe he loses that out later. I, I do think we'll see McKenzie at some point this year if he's healthy. Um, just because of how pitching might need to be handled at some point this year, or just because, you know, they might have to replace a player. He might get COVID-19 or he might, uh, might get hurt because of the weird year and they might need, uh, McKenzie. So I think he'll be up at some point this year. I don't know when, um, but it is seven days into the season. So once the season starts on July 23rd, 24th, whenever the Indians play their first game, um, if a prospect stays in the minors for the first seven days of when their season starts, then um, the Indians will get an extra year out of him. When when do you think McKenzie will make his debut, if at all? I, I do think he will get time this year. It's hard to say right now. Um, they're going to give some of these vets a look first and make sure these guys um, pass that seven-day seven game cut off. So, um, you know, they'll, they'll be looking at future control, obviously with that being said, I, I do anticipate he'll be up sometime. I would normally say in July, <laughs> yeah, well, but you know, it's, it's already July or, or practically July, you know? Um, so it, it, I do think he will be up probably sometime mid season. Um, could be a little bit later than that. I would anticipate before the trade deadline, um, which which is August thirty first, by the way. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So at least two months into the season, I, I think he'll be up before the August thirty first trade deadline. I agree. Um, we can keep going to questions here, then. So most like, which who is the most likely pitcher and hitter not in the forty man roster that you could see as a likely candidate at some point being added, whether it's for depth or injury. most likely to be added to the 40 man. Um, well, I'm going to say Mike Freeman will be added to the 40 man. Um, <laughs> I, I think he's guaranteed if the rosters were 25 again, like last year, I would think Freeman is guaranteed his spots. <laughs> um, I, I am joking a little bit, but I do think Freeman will make the roster because of his positional flexibility. Um, Tito seems to really like him. And I think Cam Hill will probably get a look, too. I, I do think Ghost will, will probably get a look at some point, um, so long as he shows that he does have 
a semblance of control with that 99 mile an hour fastball. Uh, and, you know, I would not be surprised to see Bo Taylor get a shot to the catcher um, just because of injuries and the, the way um, things work with catchers, you know, sometimes they just get worn down. And I, I think, yes, there's only 60 games, but the, that seems to be in a position that gets banged up. I'm not saying uh, Roberto is going to miss time, but I'm saying that there's a decent chance that Taylor does see some time um, behind the plate. Uh, but I do feel like Mike Freeman makes the roster from opening day. And I do think Cam Hill would probably be the first of the three pen arms that, that are off of the 40 man that would be added. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think Mike Freeman's a lock to be on the roster at some point. I think both Freeman and Arroyo who are battling for a spot in spring training, both make it now. Um, Cam Hill for sure. At some point, Bo Taylor probably. And to be clear, we're saying Bo Taylor, not Bo Naylor, in case anybody misheard that uh, a second ago. I wanted to clarify that. Bo Naylor, uh, barring really crazy circumstances, um, is not going to make the major leagues at any point this year. I would um, think we'll see Joe Donovan before before Bo Naylor. I'll put it to you that way. Um, yeah, and even I'm, Cameron, I'm, I think that they would um, – I think they would make sure that uh, Bo – is controlled for an adequate amount of time. And I don't think you do that by calling him up in these circumstances. So I completely agree with you. Bo, Bo right. Taylor, the, the experienced veteran backup catcher, um, I do think may see some time in the big leagues this year, just because it's, it's a grueling position to play back there. And, and they're going to be starting in the heat of summer. So um, I, I think those are two vets that will potentially be added at some point. Um, and Tom, Hill, yeah. said, did, was there any surprises, uh, surprise omissions from the taxi squad, Justin? Um, not really. You know, I had advocated for Kai Tom to be on there, but to be honest, they have a ton of outfielders, so it's kind of hard to make another spot for an outfielder on there. You know, and where where would you have? Who would you have eliminated to add Kai Tom, considering you already have, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven outfielders as it is? You know, who do you cut from that? I can't really yeah, say that's, that's, that's Brian, a question. And, and add in the uh, positional flexibility that Mike Freeman has, too, because he can play a little bit of outfield. And I believe uh, Christian Arroyo has, whether it be in-game or not, but my understanding, while he was in the uh, Giants organization, he played – played sparingly in the outfield, at least in practice. So he has shagged a few balls out in the outfield, out in left field. So, um, you know, I would not be surprised if Freeman were, was an emergency outfielder for them. And I think that's why Tom was left off. Um, was there somebody that really stood out to you besides, besides Tom? I guess, well, obviously, Brian Rocchio is the one that everyone kind of noticed prospect-wise. And we don't know whether that's related to travel issues or I had said initially Bracco because Bracco has missed more time developmentally. You know, he had some injuries that held him back um, in 2018 and 2019 from playing as much as they wanted him to. So if you were trying to make decisions based on guys, you thought needed more structured development right now, it would have been him and George Valera because of their upside and potential. Um, and how close they are to the big leagues compared to Ro I think Rocchio and uh, would need more time than than Bro Brocco. 
Um, Will Benson was maybe somewhere I thought would have been there, but um, again, they already had a ton of outfielders, and I, I think they prioritized Valera as well. So those are the guys you can think of from a prospect standpoint, maybe that didn't get invited that I thought would have. I, I did think we would see someone like uh, Cameron Rupp or uh, Kung Kwan Gilligila because they need more catchers. They don't have a lot of catchers on that roster. I know some teams are carrying six catchers um, on their on their initial 60-man roster. They need to have four and three of the major leagues this year and uh, one that most certainly won't. So maybe the absence of a catcher uh, a, a third, a fourth catcher that could play in the majors this year was the other one. I, I think I noticed. That was the one thing that really caught my eye too, was the lack of um, veteran catching depth, if you will. I, I forgot that they signed Cameron Rupp. Um, he could be a potential addition. Um, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to use bullpen coaches or not bullpen coaches, but the uh, bullpen catchers a little bit down in Lake County. Maybe they do that route for a little while. Um, as we've said, they do have some roster flexibility to make some additions, and I would not be surprised if they didn't bring in a, a veteran like Rupp or, or even somebody off of the waiver wire or a minor trade. Um, you know, th- there are there are other routes. I, I think really for me was one guy that stood out besides Kai Tom was uh, Jared Robinson, the um, reliever. He he kind of struck me as a guy that could get a chance. Um, although I do believe he was sent down before Cam Hill, and that's why Cam Hill is on the roster now, uh, because Cam Hill sees the opportunity this spring. And and I believe Robinson had a few strikeouts, but also had a few walks and ended up getting sent back uh, to minor league camp. But that was one guy that stood out besides the uh, lack of depth at catching. Um, You know, as we have already indicated there's already 55 guys on the roster and we expect that they will probably add a couple of the draft picks. Um, you know, maybe Rocchio, if he is able to travel and I don't know with certainty uh, exactly what the deal is with Rocchio at this point. Um, I, we do know that no players have opted out, so it's not that it could just be their plan to bring in a few guys later on, like Will Benson, even, um, to get these guys some exposure at a later point. Yeah, I do think Burns and Logan Allen, we both talked about this before, but Burns and Logan Allen could both be guys that you see there. But they already have a lot of pitchers. So I can't imagine, unless they want to bring prospects in, they just want to make sure they have some sort of structured um, environment to play or practice in. Um, I don't know. I mean, those two didn't obviously didn't have a normal senior season, so they haven't really done a whole lot of game activity since what February Mar I'm sorry March and yeah, uh, yeah and they had they you know they had a normal spring training but the last time they had a maybe fall ball was the last time they had any kind of extended time playing or, or 20 the 2019 season I guess so those guys could be factored into that because they want them to get the development time I'm just kind of wondering how much space they'll allocate for those kind of players who they know cannot help them in 2020. And I don't, I don't want to say Burns and FIU Logan Allen can't help them in 2020 because it's possible they may, but I think it's unlikely because, you know, they're guys who we both think are going to move fast to the system. 
but they did not have full 2020 um, senior se- or seasons in college. So I think that makes it a little more unlikely. I don't think they think they would like to see them have a little more development time. Um, but I don't want to say never say never on those two because of how advanced they are. So I, I do wonder of the guys they may add, how they'll allocate that space because again, and, and this also plays into the trading thing too. Remember they may want to see their depth and I think teams are going to be a little bit leery of trading some of their depth because, you know, do you tra- like, like let's, let's talk about Francisco Lindo for a second. So the Indians would have to believe that they're not going to make the playoffs in 2020 and you have what 35 games to make that decision. Um, if it gets that far, I guess it doesn't matter at that point. I don't know. Um, I just think teams are going to be leery of trading any depth to, to fill some holes somewhere or make a big trade just in case they lose somebody because um, it could be an unpredictable year. So I think trades are going to be kind of pushed to a minimum. So maybe you do fill those spots with guys that you need the development for or you, you the Indians don't have a lot of guys at the upper levels that they feel like they can fill in with. So maybe the guys they already have in the 55 are the guys they think are going to make the impact this year. And the rest are just filled out with guys they want to get some structured environment for. Um, and any guys they think might have some sort of trade value if they decide to go that route. So I really don't know how they're going to handle those last five spots. I wonder if they also may leave it at like 58 or 59 and have, you know, room to add later on. They may just add one or two more now and then add a few more, you know, a couple weeks into the season or something. You know, we could see a few guys on waivers that are interesting at some point. And I don't know what type of waiver priority the Indians will have, but I, I do expect a few guys that are fringe um, fringe roster guys to, to get cut loose, you know, and some teams may be looking to um, cut back payroll. So I do think some guys will be available at a um, discounted price this year too. So maybe the advantage of having some roster flexibility will give the Indians an opportunity to uh, seize a creative, um, what I would say is a creative opportunity or, or a, a have a, a creative advantage because they have the roster space. They're not the only team that has the roster space, but the or- like, for instance, the Orioles have 44 guys on their roster, so <laughs> they're barely <laughs> filling it out. But I won't even go over there with that. Um, I, I think they'll be happy to claim guys off of waivers, but I, I think that there'll be some players that will be traded. I, I I will say that it would probably be for a prospect now and then maybe a few guys later or, you know, you larger cash deals from teams that have more money and teams looking for some money uh, may be happy to take a few million dollars for a player instead of a, a quality prospect. Um, yeah, that's an interesting point. I, I didn't consider that, but that does raise an interesting point. The Mets clearly – either wanted needed depth or they had money to spend and people don't think the Mets have money to spend, but they went out and signed a bunch of uh, free agents today. They signed Gordon Beckham and Melky Cabrera and um, Ryan Cordell. And then another pitcher. So they signed four guys that were released from contracts. So (laughs) I get that's, that's the way they're approaching it at least. Fill out the roster, I suppose. Um, I, I don't know when the guys are, are free unless they've got um, been released recently. Uh, if they're still free, 
you know, it makes me wonder, well, what are the chances that they're really going to make an impact on the team there? There's one bat out there that could, but I don't want to open that door because there's a lot of guys um, that would love to get that outfielder back. But I, I don't see the need on the Indians roster right now with what is uh, the way it is constructed. Um, <laughs> Let's do you want to get some, some more of these questions. We had a few more. Sure. Uh, we talked about who didn't make the taxi squad that, or who should have made it that didn't. Um, I think we kind of answered that. I kind of thought, you know, Rokio or Benson or um, an extra catcher should have been there. So I think we kind of answered that. Um, what prospects of minor leaguers didn't make the roster that we would have wanted to make it? Well, we definitely want to see Rokio there. Um, for one, I think we kind of answered that too. I would have liked to have seen another catcher. So maybe uh, a Brian Lavastida would have been interesting. I would have still liked to see, you know, Kai Tom get some exposure. Um I, exposure may be the wrong word right now. Uh, ex- some experience in structured camps this year. Uh, Adam Scott, maybe. You know, Adam Scott's another guy that could have, you know, been like a Scott Moss who could have popped up later this year. They could have, someone who could have used the development, but also could have helped them this year. Um, so that's another guy. And then, you know, Jared Robinson, you mentioned. I think that's fair. Um, I, I can't really think of any other guys, to be honest. I think they kind of filled the roster out with the guys they value. I think Rokio is the only major omission besides um, any more catching that really is an impact, but just because it's needed. And then uh, Will Benson was probably the bigger name, I guess. Anybody I missed? Nobody I can think of. You did bring up an interesting point about Adam Scott being off of the roster. He was one that I thought could impact the Indians at some point this year. Uh, another guy that I think that would have really climbed through the system was Cody Morris. He was a guy that I thought would uh, make a jump this year, not all the way up to Cleveland, but somebody that would make his name uh, better known. Um, with those additions, though, I think that was uh, – or with those guys, you know, I think it was a numbers game for the Indians, really trying to get their top prospects some uh, developmental time while – you know, um, trying to balance the roster. And I think that's why they've kept some flexibility. I, I do think there'll be a little bit of movement for the Indians. You may see a few of these guys uh, end up getting released that are coming to camp uh, looking for other opportunities. You know, a guy like Dominic Leone, he may end up, who knows, maybe he ends up pitching for Baltimore or Oakland or, or Toronto even, you know. Uh, there will be teams scouring the waiver wire to make some additions. And some of those guys should be able to help out, whether it be the Indians or another team. Uh, I do think that's going to factor in at some point. And, you know, I, I do think, unfortunately, we probably will see a few injuries and uh, ineffectiveness will end up uh, seeing a few guys sent down. So there'll be there'll be some roster changes and, and a little bit of shuffling going on this year. And, and let's hope that everyone stays healthy. But the likelihood of that happening is – Probably very small, to be honest with you. And let's face it, guys are going to get the virus. It's it's present. It's not things in Ohio aren't going very well. So at some point, somebody's going to get that too. The Indians are going to deal with that. So um, just that's something they're prepared to deal with, and the roster reflects that. And 
I guess teams are teams and players are willing to accept that as well. Um, which player on the 55 man roster are you most intrigued with? I think we kind of answered that. I think we both, I, I felt like when we talked about McKenzie, that was kind of part of it just to see if he makes his debut this year. And I'm intrigued. Yeah, when, when, I look at, when I look at guys that are going to potentially actually make a, de- a debut and guys that I think that could really impact the major league team uh, in some way, I do think Tristan McKenzie is the name that really stands out to me. He's a guy that I really like. And, you know, I've, I've talked about upside, but I, I think he's an excellent arm. Um, he will be a, a quality pitcher at the major league level. And I think he's been ready for some time. Uh, just the injuries have held him back. If he can stay healthy, if he's used in, in what I would call short spaces, you know, maybe that provides him the opportunity to show what he has, but he's a guy that I think would be in, really interesting. Um, maybe he ends up being that bulk inning uh, type of arm in the bullpen for them this year before he gets an opportunity to start next year. But I, I would say he's the one guy. Um, if I move away from Tristan McKenzie, obviously James Brinchak is somebody I want to see. Anthony Ghost really stands out because of the fastball. And, and Cam Hill, I want to see what Cam Hill can do. So there's a lot of guys that I like, but to pick one, I'm going to say Tristan McKenzie. Um, and I definitely want to see what Mike Freeman's role can do this year. Keep <laughs> key out of Mike Freeman. You know, from, from a non-prospect standpoint, um, you know, Domingo Santana was a guy in spring training everyone was kind of interested in, not from what he was doing in spring training, but because he was a late addition and um, sure. kind of – could if he stayed if, if things go well you know he was having a good year in 2019 until he had that elbow injury and he tried to play through it um you know yeah. could he fill a void in the outfield so now i'm curious to see what happens with him um still because, rel- relatively young too right and he has an option or as arbit- arbitration eligible next year so he needs to have another year of control over him as well to fill an outfield spot so i was curious to see what santana and or domingo santana and Franville Reyes would do. I, I thought those two could combine for, you know, 70 home runs um, this season if everything went well. Obviously, that won't happen now, um, barring anything really crazy, but, um, you know, it is 2020. So maybe we can, maybe, maybe something crazy <laughs> will happen. Um, I'm curious to see what those, those two can do. So I'm really intrigued with, with those two as well. Um, oh, I, I love Reyes's bat, um, love the personality. Yeah, he just seems to be having fun at the game, and I enjoy that. Um, that's something I really watch is guys' body language and, and stuff that they're doing off the field. He just looks like he's having a good time at the game. Tells me he loves the game, um, and that power that he brings will be very intriguing. Before the season started, I said that he would hit 40 to 45 home runs, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> no, I'm huh? kidding. I'm, I'm going to pair that back and say I'm going to say he's probably going to end up hitting about 18 home runs in this shortened season. Uh, which would be right on par with with what I'd said earlier. Um, definitely going to be an interesting guy and could be the face of the Indians in the years to come. Who knows? Sure could be. Well, you were going to set me up for the next question, but I'm going to push that off. Um, someone said they're always interested to hear long-term thoughts on Tyler Freeman. Um, is he a second baseman or a shortstop with depth of shortstop? Does he just become a valuable trade piece? Um you know, they are stacking shortstops like crazy in the system. That's not just to replace Lindor, obviously. It's just kind of their model right now is they feel like if guys can pl- start off playing it short, um, if they move to their position, they're going to be better at it. 
and they're more athletic and can handle those kind of moves. Um, to me, Freeman's the second baseman. He's got he does just enough well to be a good shortstop. I don't think he's ever like if he were to play shortstop for a full season, he's not going to win you a Gold Glove. Um, I don't think he's going to be a negative. I think he's just somebody who plays an adept shortstop who would probably move off the position for somebody who's better. So he's kind of a, a fill in there and he's probably better suited defensively for a full year at second base because someone like, uh, you know, for instance, Brian Rocchio is probably more suited for shortstop than Freeman is. I think Freeman's got an average arm for short. I wouldn't say it's below average. I don't think it's above average, but it's you know right on par for where it should be. I don't know about being a valuable trade piece. Maybe. Um, not right now, just because of how close he is to being ready and Francisco Lindor's impending departure, whether that's in a few weeks, at the end of the year, at the end of next year, or if the Dolans just decided to go absolutely bonkers and give him the money anyway. What do you what do you think about Tyler Freeman long term? He's a guy I would say that I completely agree with you on Tyler Freeman. He's a guy that I feel that could play a very average shortstop every day. Um, arm there is average, nothing outstanding. He's going to, he's going to hit, put the ball in play. It won't be for power though. I do think he will add some power to his game. I think it's more, I think we're talking more 10, 12 home runs a season, nothing outstanding. Um, but a guy that will be able to get on, uh, on base and you know, that plays hard, enjoys the game. Um, I do think he's better suited at second base long-term, uh, but I do think he could play well enough to, to be a regular at shortstop, but he's just not somebody that's going to make some of the defensive plays that we've seen over the years with, with some of the guys that we've had in Cleveland, Felix Fermin, Omar Vizquel, and, and obviously Frankie, you know, we've been spoiled as Indians fans with some really high quality shortstops over the years. Um, I don't think Freeman would ever be on that par defensively. Uh, but I think he could handle shortstop for a couple of years if he had to, and then eventually transition over to second base. I don't think he's depth at this point, not with him being so close and there being question marks in the infield in the future uh, with Cesar Hernandez and Frankie Lindor. Um, both potentially being short time answers. Um, you know, I hate to term Frankie that way, but who knows what's going to happen with him. Um, it does seem like he is going to depart the team at some point, whether that be this year, this off season or next off season, as, as you've said, um, I, I do think you hold on to a guy like uh, Tyler Freeman. Now, Nolan Jones, you know, I, I could make an argument that he could be a trade chip. Um, would I move him? Probably not, unless I was getting something outstanding that I controlled for a long time. Um, but I just don't see that happening at this point with either of those guys, really. Yeah, I would agree. I, I don't think – I don't think they're – and they've got enough depth, in, and I think there are guys with higher upside below Freeman that would command more in a trade. I mean, I, I think Freeman's got a, a, a good future. Um, I don't want to put any kind of ceiling on him. But if you were to, like, right now, compare him with the rest of the infield depth the Indians have in the minors, whether it's Gabriel Rodriguez, um, Brian Roggio, and, and 
uh, Angel Martinez, Jose Tena. Some of those guys. And yeah, Rocha. Well, okay. So I have a, I have a little uh, issue with that right now because he's, he's a second base in name only. I think a lot of people think he might move to the outfield and. uh, Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure I want to include him in that right now. Okay. For, for that sake, we'll say right now, I think all those guys have higher offensive upside than, than Freeman possibly. I'm not saying they do, but I'm saying, you know, if you consider everybody's ceiling as it stands today on, on June 29th, I had to make sure I had the date right there, uh, 2020, those guys might have higher, higher ceilings that could change. But if you're asking me right now, they might, um, so I don't. I think those guys might return more in a trade than Freeman. So you hang on to him because he might be ready to take over at some point in the next year or so. Um, and, and he's going to be a quality big league player too. So there is that the, the a good ceiling and a high floor for him. For me, uh, in my opinion. And you want to know no, what? But- I want the Indians to have the the monopoly on Freemans. They already have Tyler Freeman. They have Mike Freeman. They have Ike Freeman. Um, I think I don't know if Sam Freeman's still pitching. Go get him. Um, I don't. I don't know. Other, other Freemans are out there. You know, sign, sign whoever you can. Maybe, maybe they can get uh, Tyler's brother from the uh, Rangers. He was. A oh, that's right. They didn't, they didn't draft Cody Freeman. You're right. They should have drafted him. Just sign all the Freemans. You know, so don't, don't trade. Don't trade Tyler Freeman just because they already have Mike Ike and Tyler. They can make a, a traveling group of Freemans with them. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, what type of return do you expect the Indians to receive for Lindor or hand in the offseason if they play for their potential? And that's assuming they're going to trade either of them. I don't know. I can't really answer that right now because you want to know what? The Indians might trade both those guys in the offseason. Um, I would be more inclined to say they trade hand because you, if he doesn't have a good – if they pull, play up to par this year, I don't know. They want to cash in on hand's value. Because you know relievers are, are so volatile, I have I can't really answer that because it's a weird year. You know, I if they if they trade Lindor this winter, it's probably a trade like Mookie Betts. You know, you're getting a a guy like Verdugo, and you're getting a couple other prospects. Um, the time to get you know two top fifty prospects, or at least feel like you can demand that over for for Lindor's trading value. I think if they even if they trade him during the season this year, you would still get a, a trade similar to Mookie Betts. You know, one player ready to plug in right now, and then two other lesser prospects. That's that's where I kind of feel like they're at. I don't think he. So I don't think Lindor right now. Right now. So right now, to me, my impression is this is kind of the July deadline, and you're going to see equal value if you make a deal right now. And, and I think that's what it would take. And the Indians would have to say, hey, we're not going to be able to do this. And I don't think they're going to do that at this point, say we're not going to be able to make a run. Um, I think they're in the playoffs. Well, they're not in the playoffs. They don't have a a spot locked up. But I think that they are in the playoff hunt. And there is an opportunity for them to you know, get in. If they're the worst team to get in the playoffs, so what? They're still in the playoffs. So that doesn't really matter. Um that's kind of their mentality about the playoffs is they want to uh, kind of scratch and, and see what happens. And then anything can happen once the playoffs do get, do happen. Um, so I don't think they're going to be 
looking at potentially trading Lindor now unless somebody just bowls them over with their demands and meets their off-season demands from earlier in the year. And, and I think you can make the argument, and I think there is the belief out there, that you would get the same value at the trade deadline as you would um, in the offseason if they would have traded him, say, in December of this past year. Um, there is that thought process out there. And, you know, I don't know if that's true or not. I tend to think that with with injuries and things happening and you can kind of see how things are lining up for teams, you know, they can see what they need and kind of go all in as the Reds did on Trevor Bauer a year ago. You know, maybe you could see a deal like that. But I, I think you're right that you'd be looking at a Mookie Betts type of return. Um, I think don't even bother talking about the Dodgers at this point. We've had two off seasons of saying that the Dodgers and the Indians are perfect um, fits. Yes, they are on paper, but the front offices apparently do, do not work well together because they have not pulled off a trade. I say that and they'll pull one off tomorrow. So, right. <laughs> um, right. you know, it, it is hard to gauge. I will throw this out there on um, Lindor. And to me, my general impression is if you cannot get value for a top five player in major league baseball, you hold him until somebody offers you what you want for him. And you do not let him walk. You do not back down. If you're willing to back down on him, then you're willing to back down on any player on your roster. And I think that is a bad precedent to set because there will be future trades that are painful for the Indians. It's the nature of the game. Um, I think it, it sets you up for a bad position in the future, um, especially when you're trying to negotiate deals. So you hold him unless you get what you absolutely want. You do not make the trade. There are other avenues Let's put it this way. If I have to clear $20 million off of the books, my $20 million off of the books is not going to be from Frankie. It's going to come through other guys. Um, I'll give you a few names. Uh, Brad Hand is one. There's $10 million. Delano DeShield, there's $2 million. Now I, all I've got to do is come up with another $8 million. So Cesar Hernandez is another guy. That's about $18 million, 18 and a half right there. And then, Another million and a half is not hard to come up with, but give me Frankie or those three guys. I'm taking Frankie all day because he's going to impact more games. He's going to win more games than any of those guys. And anything I get in return is a bonus, you know? Um, so if, you, if they're facing that type of scenario where they're, where they're going to have to draw back uh, some payroll, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Indians do, but a lot of teams around baseball will probably end up doing the same, to be honest. I think that's where the problem lies for the Indians that the off-season trade market will be flooded and there's potential it could be this year, but with so many teams potentially in the playoffs, who knows how that's going to play out. And with the roster limitations, uh, as I said, there will be players to be named later huh, in yeah. a lot of trades. That's if if there are, um, you know, there'll be the players to be named later and then rich teams that have money um, and rich owners who are generous at this point. Um, <laughs> You know, they, they may be willing to make a, a trade instead of chipping in a, a quality prospect. What if they chip in $5 million or $10 million? You know, we could be looking at trades like that instead of a bunch of prospects, one prospect plus $10 million or one prospect plus $5 million um, to get a deal done. And, and even, as I said, the players to be named later, um, you know, that, that's something that could be utilized. And 
it would give the opportunity to a team to look at the players spring of next year, assuming um, that there is a minor league season next year, you know. Uh, it does buy some developmental time for you and, and time to scout out players and, and their development. So that's a route that I think, you know, teams would have to take and, and that they would have to look at. As far as, um, as far as trading Lindor, I say you hold on to him unless you absolutely get bowled over with what you want um, and you move other pieces if you have to. And that includes hand, um, other other incremental pieces on the roster, guys who are helping fill out the roster like a DeShields a uh, Cesar Hernandez, um, you know, a, a Sandy Leone, you can replace a, him. You know, he's a guy that's making two or $3 million. You can get a bet on major league minimum and save a few million dollars there. There's a way to do it without getting rid of the best piece for uh, a um, dime or, or pennies on the dollar type of return. I would agree. So the last question is who should get the last 40 man spot? Um, the person who asked this suggested goes Hill, Dominic Leone, or uh, Mike Freeman. Um, to me, it's going to be a pitcher. I don't know if it, if it was who should get it versus who will get it. Um, that's a good question. I'm not sure who should get it. I think it should be a pitcher just for the fact that it needs to be. You need that depth, especially when you get to th- when you're talking about early in the season. Um, yeah, I'd be willing to go with with uh, one of the relievers, whether it's Cam Hill or or Goes or um, Dominic Leone. I'm going to go with Anthony Goes because you want to know what if if things work out well with him and you need him. Um, or he, you know, he earns that spot. He's got the potential to, to be a wipeout reliever. You know, he's got, he, he kind of, except for being six foot six, he's kind of got all the tools Andrew Miller had. You know, he throws hard. He has a, a nasty breaking ball. Um, it, and has the ability to strike both lefties and righties out. I would say he has the most potential. And, you know, if he comes in here, and I know it, I know we said earlier that it's a shorter leash and you don't really, you may not have the time to stick with him, but you know, if things don't work out early on, I don't, I don't see him as somebody you really are going to feel too badly about moving on from when you have, you know, Cam Hill and Nick Sandlin and, and Kyle Nelson and, and some of these stars you can utilize as relievers. You know, I'd say go with those for now and see what happens and um, don't feel bad about moving on from him. What do you think? So I, I think Freeman is pretty much a lock. So I'm I'm gonna rule him out of this scenario, and I'll entertain these other three guys. Um, I think you could even make the case from Leon to see if he has bounced back from injuries. Um, he does have somewhat of a major league track record, although it's not impressive. He he has the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, with Ghost, I, I am definitely concerned about control. Not the stuff. The quality of stuff is great. It's just the the Control is not. Um, of those three, I think Cam Hill makes the most sense right away because I think there's a potential that he could break camp with the club as one of the top 30 guys uh, because he was impressive this spring. Um, I would say he is the most likely of the two, and I say the two because I don't think Leon ends up making the team at all. Uh, he's a guy that I could end up seeing um, 
playing in Seattle or somewhere else uh, later this year. But I think it'll be down be, be down to um, Cam Hill and, and Anthony Ghost. I think Hill will get the first nod, but I do think Ghost will get an opportunity at some point this year. Uh, the, the stuff is just too electric, and I think they'll take a risk and see what he has, especially from the left. We like that. Um, you know, I, I think you got to give him an opportunity at some point, and why not do it this year? I agree. All right. Well, that's all the questions. We got to them all. Thanks for those who sent questions. We do appreciate it. Uh, I think we've rambled on long enough. So I'm just going to close by saying, um, let's see. Go. Re- I had the piece last week on Milan, Milan Tolentino from his coach. So that's out there. Um, later this week, I'll have kind of a look at Keith Ramsey, who was Petey Halpin's high school coach for his senior year. He was a former Indians prospect. Uh, I'm going to talk to him about his time with the Indians and, and, and pro ball, kind of a you know retrospective on him. That'll be up this week. Uh, and I've got some other things in the works that I, I don't want to make i don't want to guarantee right now but i'm working on a few things so that's what's out there for me now uh are you working on anything or anything you want to add here at the end probably we'll see a way too early mock draft at some point (laughs) (laughs) and um i've been going through the roster not the roster but the playoffs it was my brain is fried today (laughs) (laughs) i've been going through the prospects looking over the top 50 and um I sent that back to you with some of my thoughts of where I've got guys ranked at right now with the newest additions added in too. Uh, I went about 67 players deep. So uh, that's something for you to look at. And then, you know, at some point we will have some pieces out there on, on the top 50 prospects with the Indians. Yep. I do owe you the look at that and, and we will have uh, a new top. I don't know. Maybe we won't do a top 50. Maybe we'll just do, Whoever we feel like stopping, uh, is worth ranking. If we feel like there's nobody worth talking about, we'll just stop there. We won't make it arbitrary, I guess. And we'll say anybody else who didn't, who we didn't write about, um, we just didn't feel like was worth going into detail on. So we'll leave it there. Anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Are we going to let everybody uh, finally hang up this podcast if they've gotten this far? <laughs> There'll be some more draft coverage leaking out. Um, just, I'll be dripping some of that out and then probably doing a little bit of this prospect stuff. Uh, just waiting for the Indians to get back. I'll finish my part today with, by saying go tribe. Yeah, go tribe. Baseball's back. Uh, camp starts for them on the third and hopefully everybody arrives healthy. The Indians say they have no virus. I don't think they have any active virus cases, which is good. So let's, let's hope that's the case for them and around baseball and uh, let's hope everything goes well. Um, for Willie, I'm Justin. Thanks for listening this long if you did, and we'll probably catch you next week. See you.